Welcome to another episode of Sisters in Conversation. I'm your host, Debello Mutwane. I'm the founder of a platform called Sister in Law, which is a platform dedicated to empowering women through legal education. On today's episode, I have with me Amanda Manyame. Amanda obtained an LLB from the University of Wits. She's an African technology lawyer focusing on tech policy and regulatory work. She's currently awaiting results from her thesis for her master's in information and communications law with a focus on data privacy. Amanda's work involves advising clients on digital privacy and regulatory compliance and on a broader level developments in technology law and policy. Amanda, welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you for availing yourself. <laughs> no, thank you for coming all the way here. Yeah, so um, very interesting bio, like tech law. Um, I definitely had an interest in what you do because remember I had a mentorship session and you said, no, let me come speak to, the, to your students about you know, a career in information technology law. And yes. I was like, what? That sounds, you know, like Google. That sounds a bit hectic. Um, and obviously very, very rem- like different path from what we currently know. You know, people going into banking and financing, people going into commercial law, people going into family law, intellectual property. And, you know, here's a new space, obviously developing very, very fast um, at, a rapid, at a rapid pace, as yes. we know, technology. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, can you just give us background on how you got here? Why, why technology law? Why technology law? Well, I, I also got a bit tired after doing my articles of clerkship. I was working in labor law, mm. had a bit of commercial law. Mm. And I thought I wanted to do my master's degree, so I wanted to change scenery. Mm. And I thought about doing uh, corporate commercial. And someone said, well, do you really want to be a master of corporate and commercial law? Mm. And I thought, huh, no. Um, why not do information and communication technology law? That's when I looked it up, found FITS offered. It's one of the few universities that's offering it at mm. the moment. Mm. Signed up, got in, and uh, six months later, switched jobs, switched companies, um, stopped working in private practice, and was now in consultancy and consulting in tech mm. law and policy. And uh, six months later, which is now a whole year later, yeah specializing in uh, policy and regulatory issues around technology law and uh, it was the best decision ever uh, it was a uh, more of being thrown into the deep end mm-hmm. because it is very different from private practice but uh, it's quite interesting yeah can you imagine is. can you imagine so can you just tell us a bit about your um you know schooling career when did you decide that you wanted to even pursue you know, law, pursue a career in law? Was it from a young age or, you know, did you have ambitions of of being a singer first and then somewhere along the line you changed and decided, nope, I want to do law? Uh, very <laughs> different from a lot of people. I grew up thinking I wanted to be a cardiovascular surgeon. Yes, overachiever. That's way too specific. We just want to be doctors, okay? We just yeah. we just say I want to be a doctor. No, That's I knew. way too specific. I knew. And uh, so I was going to be a cardiovascular surgeon. Always sure. said it from a very young age. Yeah. Um, I don't know what I watched and mm. fell in love mm. with the title. Mm. Then somewhere along the line, I don't even know what changed my mind. And I went from doing sciences mm. to doing arts and sure. did arts, the arts subjects, the literature, and I fell in love with it. Mm. 
uh, after that, I had no idea what you could do with my subject combination. Mm. So firstly, I didn't do matric. So I did Cambridge, okay. which is very different because mm. um, you do all levels and A-levels. And by the time you get to A-levels, so almost like college. This? Where was this? Uh, this was actually in Zimbabwe. So. Okay, nice. Okay. Nice. Yeah, yeah it's actually I've heard of. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So you do what's similar to college when you mm. do your A-levels, about two years. And the subjects I did, being art subjects, the only other options you had would be either you go into law or you maybe go into teaching mm. um, or becoming a lecturer. There was really, we didn't know that there were other options. Yeah. So yeah. I decided, okay, I'll just go into law. You know, what else is there? The results are there. Mm. If it's accepted me. So I said, okay, let me go do that. There was really no career guidance. Yeah. Um, sure, that's very important. It's eh? very important. Mm. Uh, within the family, there isn't really anyone who can you know, tell mm. you about these are your options, this mm. is what's out there. Mm. You either become a doctor, a lawyer, an engineer. Mm. So mm. But I found that it. even in law, like back then, you you didn't even know the difference between an advocate and an attorney. You just knew that, okay, I'm going to do law. And, you know, you. I, I remember having a like misguided view that you can straight after your degree you can actually even become a judge i thought it was one of those you work to become a judge i didn't know that you had to go through a process, a process yeah. so um very interesting that you know you speak on on not having guidance and um i always tell my students i mean remember at the last mentorship session yeah. i was like we need to step away from the traditional roles that we know of of specific industries. Um, I always tell my students that I mean, look at me. I'm I'm not practicing, mm-hmm. and in not practicing, I'm not in corporate either. You know, because yes. it's either you're practicing or non-practicing, and you know, if you're non-practicing, then you are in house. Yeah, and I'm not yeah. even in house. I've literally just designed the kind of job that I want to have, or designed the ki- kind of career that I want to have, and. That's what I always try to push with students, you know, like don't always fall into the trap of doing it's either I'm um, a lawyer, I mean, excuse me, an attorney or an advocate. It's not yeah. black and white. No, it's not. So I really appreciate that about, you know, your career and and the colorful career you find yourself in. It's, I, I always actually say this to either my family members that are coming up that have finished their schooling and deciding what they want to do with their lives, mm. is that there's so many options. Mm. It's just that a lot of these options are not open to us. Mm. So sometimes uh, job shadowing is very important, mm. especially if you hop around different jobs mm. and you get to see what's out there for you, what's mm. out there after matric, what's out there after your degree. Mm. But I encourage people to do this before the degree because I think you go into a degree three years down the line or you finish or complete true, the eh? degree and after that you've realized during your second year of articles of clerkship that, that being a lawyer <laughs> like we've heard so many of those stories I remember when I was doing my articles a guy had gone through medicine he'd even done his like first year of being an intern at I think he was at Paraguana hospital and then he just Found himself in law, and I was like, "That is wild! Like yes. that, that is but wild." But imagine how much time yeah. you've, you've wasted. Yeah. Well, there's no experience that's wasted experience, mm. but hundred mm. percent, you could have done other things with your life during that period. But there's definitely a path that you have to follow, and um, the one thing that you know keeps on catching my attention is the fact that the younger you are, the more unstable your CV looks. Like you, you're in a role for six months, then you work for a year, then you're in a role for six months, then you end up you end up doubting yourself. I remember at some point I was like, no one's ever going to hire me. My CV is too colorful. Yes. But those are the, actually the best years to you know find out who you are, to find out 
what it is that you like, you know, before age 25. I don't even want to put an age limit to it, mm. but, you know, the earlier you are in your career, as soon after graduating, is the best time to move around, you know. Yes. I, I'm, I'd be more inclined to hire someone who I'm, I'm the third or fourth employer, but now I know for sure that this is what they want because they know for sure that that's what, what they, they want. want. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, I'd like us to skip into the order or oh, the business of the day. I have with me here... 15 or so questions um, that you and I are going to discuss in this conversation. You are going to pick four questions uh, and give hand them over to me. And I'll read them to you and then we can discuss the various topics around, you know, um, representation of black women in the legal industry, uh-huh. uh, our experiences in the industry, uh, representation of black women in corporate in general, uh, what we can do to make our voices more amplified in and out of the profession. There's also questions which relate to domestic violence and how we as you know, women in the legal profession can be a voice for um, other women in society. Uh-huh. So yeah, please pick your questions and then we can get to discussing them. Okay, let's get this. Oh, I thought oh. it was going to be a long question. No, no, I'll read. <laughs> okay. Two... Two. Three. You're just taking all the ones at the top here. <laughs> okay, this one's from the bottom. Four. <laughs> okay. Um, what is your worst memory in the profession? Huh. Worst memory. It's a very interesting question. Um, like you wanted to stay in bed or strangle your boss type thing. Like what had happened? Um... Okay, I went through a bit of a sexual harassment phase. Sure. It's a bit hectic. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's yeah. a lot hectic. Yeah, that's a, that's hectic. And yeah. Yes. Um, so without saying a lot, but mm. say enough, mm. um, it was a boss from one of my previous jobs. Mm. And it would be the little things. He would rub your back, rub his hand down your back going all the way down sure uh, it's very uncomfortable so it was always those little things and then one day he commented on the dress i was wearing that day to work mm. and literally i cried that day um because i just felt powerless yeah i yeah. felt this is not a situation i want to be in mm. so that mm. was essentially the worst day uh, does it have anything to do with the profession? Yes and no. 100%. In yeah. that yeah. it is, it is yeah. a corporate issue. It is mm. an issue that mm. I think a lot mm. of women face. But at the same time, um, it is something that a lot of women do not talk about. Because mm. I then spoke about it with my male colleague. And it's like, well, listen, if you're going to take this matter forward, do you want to be known as that girl oh that complained? Mm. Considering mm. that the legal profession is very small. Mm. Everyone knows mm. everyone. So if you're up and coming, you really don't want to be known as that person. But at the same time, you do want to speak up because you don't want that to keep happening to, to you women. and to yeah, other women. Yeah. yeah, so that was the worst. So did you ever end up reporting it? I then never ended up reporting yeah. it. Purely how, because how much I, longer after that did you work for the company? Uh, for about a year talk about being stuck in a situation yeah and yeah but that's not you know a story that's 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 attached to just you no a lot of women out there especially young women especially black women have always you know been victims of sexual harassment because first of all i think they don't even know how to identify it Mm -hmm. you know there's a lot of actions flirting you know um rubbing your back like you said stroking you 
making weird comments that make you feel uncomfortable. You know, women mm-hmm. don't even know how to identify it in most situations. And then when they do identify that, okay, this is a form of sexual harassment, they are trapped because it's usually a senior. Yes. It's usually the one of the only partners or directors of the company. And implicating them means that you're going to lose your job, you know. Yes. A lot of the time, it really means... It's, it's very difficult to take on a partner of a um, reputable law firm and expect to get out of that, you know, being a shiro. Yes, and besides, it's never... Um, outward, well, it's it's very different from someone has uh, slapped you in the face and you've got mm. the evidence to prove that mm. well, I was slapped mm. across the face. Mm. This is always they're very small things, like you've said, some things that may make you feel uncomfortable, or it's the rubbing down your back or the flirtatious comments. Mm. Um, how do you even prove that? I mean, mm. both you and I and Law, you mm. know, you need mm. to be able to prove mm. it. How do you even prove that? And then it ends up being he said, she said. And all you're just trying to do is uh, be the lawyer that mm, your mm, family mm, <laughs> thinks mm, that you are. Mm. So it is, uh, it's very difficult. It's a situation I know a lot of women face. Um, mm. But that for me was the worst situation I've ever been in. Mm. Um, yeah, I do talk about it with a number of people, but I never spoke up purely yeah, because sure. had I spoken up, nothing was going to happen. Sure. And I think a lot of women find themselves in that position. Yeah. yeah, be that as it may, if someone came to you today, um, a young girl out of varsity, you know, you know, actually not even a young, just any woman who mm. came to you today and said, "This is what I'm facing," you know, and you looking back, what, what, what kind of advice would you give them? The advice I'd give them is to get a support system mm. within the company first, mm. because if you do come up and just speak up against that particular person, you do need a supporting system, mm. Mm. Um, because it will be very difficult. Strengthening numbers. Yes, it'll be very difficult for you to point out one person, mm. and that person, like you said, is usually a senior, and they usually have the numbers, and they mm. have people supporting mm. them, mm. so definitely no one is going to want to dismiss them, but mm. they will possibly want to dismiss you for making the noise. Mm. So definitely try to find strength in numbers Mm. before you come out before Mm. you come out and accuse that particular person Mm. um because to be practical you do realize that should you come out and say this about this person um when everybody else says well this uh, you're possibly lying you're you maybe Mm. wanted to do this Mm. or you asked for it weirdly people say that yeah um you do need a support within the office Mm. that's Mm. going to be there for you when people are whispering behind your back Mm. when people are asking certain questions or when people speak up against you Mm. also to make sure that um you report it to your supervisor after you've got your supporting system you report it have something written down Mm. send it in an email if there's Mm. a grievance form i strongly believe in paper trail (laughs) send it in an email definitely Uh, even with cases of sexual harassment i actually want women to journal you know have Mm. have 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 written evidence of when it happened the action that took place because when you eventually do report it to a supervisor it's nice to have a timeline you know Mm. to show that these incidences happen two weeks apart or happen on a regular basis and it's it's just good for you to have that kind of evidence in the event that you do end up at ccma or labor court court. yeah Yeah. even even sending that email confronting the person saying i don't appreciate what you did today a b c d you know just some sort of paper trail i strongly believe in that yeah that's true so definitely put it out there it must be 
written either mm. on a grievance form your mm. journal mm. or an email but make sure it is written down yeah. as a complaint and then naturally the company would take it from there uh, we can only hope you only hope mm. um but mm. then the other thing which is more on a personal basis i'd advise someone to to seek help go to therapy mm. go see a counselor um mm. churches offer counseling mm. um yeah because it often affects your it. confidence going mm. forward you know like yeah. you you start doubting yourself and start thinking that okay here i get certain promotions or whatever the case is only because the boss you know you know finds me attractive yes. and i mean for women we are busy fighting to be um to be hired based on merit to be taken seriously based on merit and if there's a slight case of sexual harassment then that sort of really knocks your confidence because you're like am i competent for this job or am i just getting favors because the boss has a crush on me yes yeah sure yeah so definitely get some outside help mm-hmm. get a counselor mm-hmm. therapist because that'll also give you enough strength mm. when you take the matter mm. forward mm. yeah i also just want to say to the listeners out there i have put quite a lot of material mm. on sexual harassment on on my um social media pages on the sustained law page on facebook and instagram so you guys can read up on sexual harassment and what to do if you find yourself in that kind of position um let's move on to the second question please um okay South Africa is riddled with domestic violence perpetuated against women. How can we, as women in the legal profession, play a role in combating this social ill? It's um, a very good question. I, being in the tech industry, mm. I will choose to not answer that in the normal legal context. Yeah, 100%. I will introduce to the listeners. I don't know if a lot of people know this, but then you can have online gender-based violence. Hmm. At the moment, issues around I online... I know that. <laughs> well, now you know. Yeah, yeah thank you. <laughs> yeah, so online gender-based violence is um, it's a growing concern internationally. Mm. It's not spoken about often, but I know within the last year, mm. um, there have been a group of individuals and a group of organizations that have been trying to advocate for it. Mm. But one of the issues is around online safety, mm. especially and particularly for children, you find that children get trafficked off of um, what they would have posted or the, mm, who they're communicating mm, to on mm. social media platforms. You also find that um, people get bullied on social media platforms, women in particular. Mm. Uh, women get berated on social media platforms. Mm. Um, all of those are forms of gender-based violence. It's mm. not just your partner maybe strangling you or slapping you or killing you Mm. at the end of the day. But then it all comes across in the way that people interact with women and children online. Yes. So um, it is, I know it happens to a lot of people, but then people sometimes to an extent brush it off. Mm. But there are ways, for example, if you're on Facebook, you can report that person. Mm. You can block that person. If you're in WhatsApp groups where you see that there's... um, some form of abuse happening mm. or people are talking about trafficking children i didn't know this people have whatsapp groups where they discuss how to traffic children i have no doubt <laughs> i was... have no doubt like there are some weird things out there people I are doing no a doubt. lot of things yeah so if you're on that group if you report it what whatsapp will do is it'll screenshot mm. the last five messages in that group chat and then it will bank it in its information bank and then it can red flag it as it comes up so same thing that information it, only is... if you report it though 
Only if you report it. It's so you have WhatsApp to report screenshots it. It will okay. screenshot it. Okay. It will screenshot it for you automatically. You don't see it happening. Mm-hmm. You just report. They screenshot last mm-hmm. five messages. Okay. Then they bank it. Um, that naturally, the more people that report, the better. Mm-hmm. I have been in groups where people say, "Listen, look at what this person is doing on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Look at what they are spreading on Twitter." Mm-hmm. Can you and please go report them? Can as we report a collective? Them? Yes. Mm-hmm. So as a collective, we report then those pages get taken down, mm. which is um, really good. I think uh, it two or so weeks ago, we saw a man that killed his wife mm. uh, because he suspected... Of, uh, he killed their children, true children, because mm. he suspected the wife of cheating. So mm. I accused her that the children are not his. Mm. And he posted an entire rant on Facebook. And he accused of all of these things, and he actually confessed to killing her. And as you can see, some of these things start off on Facebook, then mm. it actually happens mm. in real life. Mm. But had someone red flagged those posts, then maybe we could have followed up. Um, and I think you've also seen Facebook's initiative, because I sound like I'm promoting Facebook. At this point. <laughs> <But> hey, man, <laughs> paid advertising. <laughs> Not <Okay>. paid. <laughs> Um, but then uh, they have an alert, an Ember alert for missing children, I think. Mm. people You might have seen it, uh, but then if a child is missing near and around you, mm. you will get an Ember alert. Mm. So there are people trying to combat gender-based violence online, mm. but it is, I think, a discussion that people need to start having. Yeah. Because it's not just happening behind closed doors. Mm. And one of the ways we can make changes as lawyers Mm. within the profession is to assist in the drafting of policies that deal with online gender-based violence. Mm. So we need to advocate for a policy needs to change. We need Mm. to have an instance where um, we put telecommunications providers, social media networks to task with regards to taking down certain things that uh, are violent towards Mm. women and towards children as well. So it all to an extent, also boils down to what can lawyers do and lawyers can assist with the changing of policies. So I often get women asking me um, questions pertaining to their partners posting them naked online. My understanding is that um, it does fall under defamation uh, and I think it's the Film and Publications Act, Mm. but apparently, you know, the law doesn't adequately provide for your picture being circulated what happens to the people who who retweeted or share it on their platforms even if it's to say i can't believe what this man did look what he shared you're still sharing it um what is the recourse for for the victim at the moment uh, at the moment the recourse is extremely frustrating it's yeah, one of those things that yeah, frustrate me yeah. every day um, I think it's been over-discussed that there is a bill at the moment that will make it a criminal offense. Mm. But until then, what can you do? Report it. So mm. report it on the platform that it has been shared. Mm. And then the moment that you've reported it on that particular platform, you can um, just, in a sense, there isn't really much you can do after that. Mm. You've so reported it and they're going to take it down. So it's they, a rep- reputational thing. Because now that it's, 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 it's been shared 300 times, and I, you know, my boss has seen it. It is a reputational thing. It is defamation, is it not? It is it's, defamation. Is it, you could... But it's frustrating because it's out there. It's frustrating because um, even if you're to bring a defamation lawsuit, you also have to prove that it is not uh, accurate. Mm. 
so it being let's say a Naked, nude photo yeah, yeah. it is accurate so yes they have defamed you but then it won't necessarily meet the requirements of but it was shared between two people between two people yes. and, and so now it's been one example would be a case uh, hvw i'd have to get the full citation mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> but then in hvw what happened is a wife shared mm. a nude or nude pictures of herself with her husband mm. yes and because she was trying to um just spark things up for the marriage and a very elderly lady in a very uh tight-knit community mm. tight-knit christian community and by mistake she shared this to her daughter's hockey team oh and <laughs> the hockey team oh whatsapp God. group and when that went out to the whatsapp group it naturally became viral yeah it got shared to Stud- mid- other students other their parents everybody her children um yeah. to a bunch of people and then you also had people on twitter commenting mm. about it mm. and 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 so now the question that lay for her is what do i do mm. i want to have this taken down so you're going to have to go to all of the platforms that it has been shared on and request that they take it which down which is a endless yeah very endless which is a takedown notice so you request mm. them to take it down reasonably they will take it down mm. they will not keep it up purely mm. because of the nature of the mm. content mm. they are going to take it down but now after they've taken it down remember some people have screenshotted mm. how are you going to sue let's say 50,000 people yeah that have shared it and reshared it and reshared yeah. it naturally if the platform doesn't take it down, you would want to sue the platform mm. so they take it down. Mm. But if they haven't, it's very difficult to go and sue each and every individual. Sure. In that yeah. instance, that was a mistake. But now you've got your ex-lover who has who was intentional about they've it. They've intentionally yes. shared it. Or they've intentionally shared it to even a porn site. Um, mm. You cannot lay necessarily a criminal charge against Yet, that in South Africa. Yet. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We are praying that the bill becomes an act very soon. But yo, we... Laws our, take a very I, long time. I always say our policymakers need to get to a point where, you know, we stop talking about... And we start acting. ...things and just walk the walk. That is my one concern is that it takes a very long time to enact an mm, act. Mm. So it goes from... Listeners that don't know, it goes from being... A discussion then it goes to a white paper a green paper people engage mm. and then maybe three years down the line you have a bill then people engage again mm. and then the bill eventually becomes an act mm. one act would be the protection of personal information act mm. which is an act since 2013 yeah. but it still is not fully yeah. uh, if, in yeah. effect some of the so, transitional <laughs> provisions are taking like eight years yes. <laughs> so so in that instance what can someone do just request the site to take mm, it down mm, sure thank you for those insights um i always say that as well as um we 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 have a a duty i think in our personal capacity as well you know if if you have quite a voice on social media you need to use it for positive impact mm. um we need to things like domestic violence we actually need to be having continuous conversations around this topic we need to use our voices as influencers or as i call myself a lawfluencer we need to start using our voices more you know to speak Mm. about things that actually matter it's all very well that you know we 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 call out bad behavior but we really need to call it out and commit to calling it out and and sometimes we just need to just Post reminders about the dangers of of domestic violence, even when there hasn't been a situation. Because the other day I was thinking to myself, I'm very guilty of only waiting for babes will do more. 
you know to go viral mm-hmm. then i'm like oh issues of domestic violence you know but if if i just sent out little reminders every once and again you know this is how to get a protection order if you're a woman um or this is how you know you should report a matter or you know if i share information like that on a regular basis then people know about it because people are always on social media so um in as much as we're discussing the bad side of social media people posting porn and you know naked images of us there is really also a good side to it which we can use our voices for you know positive impact yes and trying not to share some of the terrible images that are post 100 percent. yeah sharing is woman. actually very bad you can even, comment even if you're without in, sharing even the actual if your image. intentions are good mm. like even if you say oh my gosh look what jabu shared like you still share in the picture yes. so your intentions were good um okay so can i just move on to the next question it says here what does success in the profession look like to you how have you imagined it to be um my image changed Mm. a year ago it would have been uh possibly being in-house counsel Mm. at airbus Mm. (laughs) possibly okay yes i told you overachiever yeah 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 yeah. um now it has really changed now success within the profession is being a tech policy and regulatory specialist Mm. that advocates for african laws Mm. that is that is my image being one of the key voices in the conversation propelling the conversation i believe that i believe in africa i Mm. believe that we need to protect one our data we need we need to get access to the internet mm. we need to get access to all the things that we can use the internet for mm. um, and on top of that we need to be protected on the internet mm. so we are the largest consumers of a lot of the tech that comes in from outside of Africa I have no doubt <laughs> yes but we are the least protected sure our voices are not out there yeah so for me success within the profession is actually being one of the top voices out there mm advocating for africa oh goodness i have no doubt have you done extensive traveling in your current role you know just around policies and learning what other african countries are doing and how they're implementing it if there is any you know doing and implementation out there yes i have done quite a little bit of travel um and well in my everyday work i do look at different african countries uh, I look at their tech policy landscapes. So I do in-depth research into mm. what laws do specific countries have. Um, not just the usual countries. So when you think about tech, you're like South Africa, Rwanda, Yo. Kenya. Nigeria. <laughs> yes, Nigeria. <laughs> Uganda, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, even going all the way into Chad, into mm. Mauritania, into Morocco, mm into Tunisia, um, into Tanzania, hmm. SADC, we can never forget home. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> sometimes yeah. I feel like we forget home. Yeah. Um, South Africa, I also do feel like sometimes when you speak about African tech, I do tend to forget about home. Yeah. So yes, yeah. South Africa as well. But um, just looking at all the tech laws that they have mm. and the tech policies that they have and the initiatives that the governments are trying to implement, um, and I've been fortunate enough to be able to interact with the different stakeholders that are involved when it comes to making these policies and when it comes to the tech. So mm. uh, the private sector, so the tech companies themselves, as mm. well as the government and civil society organizations that are doing a lot of amazing work. Mm. 
and um, yeah so all of that interacting with these different individuals just gives you different perspectives as to the actual issues on the ground it within Africa within mm. countries like South Africa that has access to the internet that um, will possibly have better rollout of 5G as compared mm. to a lot of other African countries um, but then within South Africa itself you look at certain areas that are so remote that they don't even have 2G internet access yeah. uh, looking at there's what's called community networks mm. um, that is quite big in the Eastern Cape at the moment uh, so yeah, between travel and desktop research, mm. I do look at a lot of what are African countries mm. doing, where, where are the gaps. What are, can you give us two of the most progressive and two of the least progressive countries at the moment? Like the countries that you, you know, desk, desktop and traveling wise, which would you say are the two or three most progressive and three least progressive um huh i would not want to to class name them as, and shame <laughs> <laughs> i would not want to class them as progressive and least progressive mm-hmm. purely because you go into a country and you think huh they do not have an electronic communications and transactions act yeah but they have so many other pieces of legislation that deal with the same issues okay yeah All right so purely based on that so it's not consolidated it's not as know, yes it's law not, some of the countries it's not yeah. a simple tick box and mm. say well you guys don't have this you have that mm. um it's very nuanced because when you do get into the countries you then realize that either they have policies they already have a bill up mm. and coming they mm. or they already have the act that is dealing with that um, but the one thing I will definitely say to answer your question without answering your question <laughs> is that um, because technology is emerging very quickly, hmm. there's a lot of work that needs to be done from the African context. 100%. Um, yeah. There's a lot of work being done globally uh, purely because no one has really caught up legally hmm. to tech. Hmm. it's ever evolving the moment we try have a policy it's already evolved i know everyone is talking about 4ir Hmm. but we're already beyond 4ir at this point yeah so um from an african perspective the one thing i do want to see is not just the laws but then african countries coming together so that we can have uh, cross-border policies Mm. that can assist us to deal with um the various tech issues that Mm. each country faces Hmm. Yeah, thank you for that. Um, and then the last question is um, opposite to the first question you answered. I'm glad you actually picked a best <laughs> and a worst. But this one says, what is your best memory in the profession? Like, when did you, what did you do where you were like, damn girl, <laughs> you're the ish. <laughs> uh, best memory. Huh. Okay, not, a, not in the girl, you're the ish. But it was um right at the beginning of me transitioning from private practice into tech policy is I applied for what's called the African School on Internet Governance. And I honestly did not think I would make it being this fresh person in the industry, not knowing much about it. And I got accepted. And okay. I was like, okay, yay. <laughs> Thank you, God. But um, once getting in, that was one of those very best moments. Mm, mm. Uh, it was, what I would say, the best two weeks of my life. Okay. Because I not only went through into that school for mm. five, six days, but I also then went to what's called the African um, Internet Governance Forum. 
and I got to interact with people from all over Africa, uh, all over Asia as well, because some people did come through from abroad, and just interacting with different people in the space that are not legal minds mm. that challenge your thinking, because mm. your legal mind is, your legal mind is very legal. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> That's that on that. Yeah. Yes, and you're, I was in my little bubble of mm. this is the law. This is what the law says, and then now just meeting all you these got to different think outside people. The box. You think Very outside important. the box. Um, one example being uh, gender, gender rights, gender mm. issues. Mm. How does that even correlate with technology? Mm. So thinking about all of that and thinking mm, like <laughs> i think tech in general is a man's world it is a man's world <laughs> not legal tech not any, just tech just in tech. general it is a, it yeah. is a man's world sure. so now thinking how how does this even correlate and then having people explain to you that listen these are the issues and then you have people that work for government organizations that work for police services like cybersecurity mm. divisions mm. engineers explaining to you what happens behind the scenes mm. that was the best moment for me best two weeks mm. um yeah and yeah that, that all happened last year i'm glad it happened as i was starting my career because mm. it opened up my eyes mm. to it is not just about you it is not just about you know getting to work with tech companies or getting to put your legal thoughts forward but it is it goes beyond yourself it goes to representing women's rights mm. representing children's rights mm. and representing the african voice and protecting ourselves um when it comes to the technology because technology is kind of taking over everything yeah 100 percent. yeah sure amanda thank you so much for your insights um very interesting conversation. I was a very excited on the way here because I knew that I'm not speaking to an advocate or, you know, traditional attorney, but definitely somebody who can give us insights into, like what I said, is a man's world. Um, mm. Looking forward to seeing you being the head of, I don't know, legal <laughs> at Google one day. I think, <laughs> do you think that's where you're headed? Do you find yourself... Um... I'm not sure. The the door's open. We'll mm. see at this point. Head, head, head of like legal at Facebook. I mean, why? You, wait, why you've promoted them so thing? much that <laughs> they I, should give me a job. They should give you a job now after this. But I I love no, that. No, no, no. Own wait, your listen, own space. Can I, yes, I love that. Own my own space. Yeah, yes. I love that. <laughs> with with a lot of Be black a women. Be trailblazer. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm actually very passionate yes. about putting black women on. Hey. Yes. Well, I I'm already like thinking about a few ladies who I've seen online in the tech space. Mm. So it would be very exciting Can to see. You guys come Link together. Up? Me, I'm yes. the boss of that. I'll, <laughs> I'll definitely do so. I'm I'm very very big on you know um, networking and linking women with each mm. other, especially in the same industry. Because as the old saying goes, you know you go further together. Yes, true. Um, we've reached the end of the very serious part of the conversation. Um, I have with me five funny questions. Uh. <laughs> I mean, they're not so funny, but. Um, just thought something to help us move away from, you know, the very technical and <laughs> legal conversation. Um, just to close off our conversation on a light note. Can you pick one, please? Uh, all right. Just one. Yeah. Okay. Just one. You can actually read that. What still surprises you most about people? Yeah. <laughs> Ah, actually, yeah. <laughs> oh, you you have that on on speed dial. <laughs> I have that on speed dial. Uh, when people ask you, 
what do you do for a living? And then you say, I'm a lawyer or I'm a tech loan policy advisor. And they say, you, but you're so young and yeah. you're female. Oh, ooh, yeah, is that? <laughs> oh, they hear law and then they hear tech. And then... No, you're female, yeah. you're too young. Yeah. And um, black. As, as much as and you're black well, mm. I don't think people actually come out and say and no, you're black for sure, for sure. but <laughs> for I'm sure. sure some are thinking that mm. um, the, I've heard that so often surprisingly it still surprises me because okay. I think we are in 2020 yeah. I've been surrounded by so many powerful women of color within mm. the industry with the, within law itself mm. I mean we've got mm. so many women now mm. in law trailblazers Yes, and within tech policy, I know so many women that have been doing it for 20 years, believe it or not, when technology was when, still email. When the internet started, basically. <laughs> yes. So I'm still very surprised that people would not Are imagine surprised. Yeah. that this, uh, I don't think I'm young, but this <laughs> young individual, young female, young black female, is in the tech space, is, in the tech space, sure. is also a legal mind. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow, thank you for being a trailblazer. Uh, I'm personally going to hold you accountable to your own company a few years down the line. Yes. <laughs> um, I'll also hold myself accountable by putting you on with the other ladies I've I've mentioned. Yes. And yeah, I really just want to thank you for your time. Thank you for availing yourself for this. I have no doubt that, you know, um, young women who are, you know, looking to start a career in the legal profession are now going to consider you know, the tech space instead of going the traditional family law or commercial law route. Mm. Thank you very much for your insights. I've learned about um, gender-based violence online. So this for me was also a learning experience. Thank you, Amanda. You're welcome. Thank you for coming and for also making the time and asking me to be on this platform. Wonderful. Thank you for tuning in. Your feedback is important to me. Please do email me on advice at sustainlaw.co.za. That's A-D-V-I-C-E at sustainlaw, one word, dot C-O dot Z-A. I hope you guys are keeping safe during the lockdown, you know, indoors, washing your hands and just taking all precautionary measures when leaving the house, like putting on a mask and putting on gloves and actually showering when you get back to the house. If you've been at home like I have with nothing to do, um, you can definitely use this time to catch up on all my podcasts and all my legal insights on my YouTube channel. You can also catch up on articles on various legal topics which are on the website. That's www.sisterinlaw.co.za www.sisterinlaw.co.za We'll definitely see you guys same time, same place next week. Until then, keep safe and goodbye.